0: Welcome to Level Up with Cheryl and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Cheryl and Danny. Today we have a Q and A. It's been a little while. It has been a little while. Um, but something I wanted to say is yesterday
1: I was listening to one of our rewind episodes. Like, <laughs> it was the one that we did with Hattie uh, more recently. Yeah. And as I was listening, I was like, wow, we've had podcasts glow up since then. I think what did you notice? Of- <laughs> well, at the start, we were just like laughing. <laughs> Like, which is fun, but like laughing and talking over each other and getting really excited, um, which is awesome, right? That's the glow up and it was like episode, I don't even know. 13 like,
0: that was. So long ago
1: now. Uh, but I was listening to it and I was like, man, I'm proud of us, Danny. Like we've, our podcast's come a long way from the lapel mics on the couch.
0: Yeah, wow. Maybe we should proof, like listen to them first set. Are they cringe <laughs> or? Oh. Nah. Not I mean, at all. He was all. sitting, we were in a hattie sandwich. Like you're what? gonna be a bit, you know, you're gonna feel things. So maybe that was reflected in that episode. Because I just remember how much fun we had with that. But um, you know, just like any skill, the more you practice, the better you get. So that mm. would have been, yeah, literally just under three years ago, then if it was episode thirteen. So yep. maybe um I'll have to go back and reflect as well. But I love the acknowledgement. That's so mm. cool.
1: Yeah. So we hope you guys are enjoying the rewrite episodes because they're so fun to listen back on and, <laughs> you know, be able to bring up some old content as well from some of our, you know, most popular episodes. Uh, so thanks so much for the shares and thanks so much for the appreciation for those ones. But today we wanted to do a little bit of a Q&A episode um, from my Q&A box. So thanks guys. We've got a bit of a mixed bag today covering things around like body image, nutrition, training, and then also one on business. Um, so something, for everyone. uh, But we'll get straight into it if you're happy, Danny,
0: Yeah, let's do it. We do keep them anonymous now. I know that people love hearing their name, you know, being called out. But then we had a discussion and we were thinking, well, would that actually deter people from asking questions? So we want to keep it anonymous. Um, I was looking for a bit of fun cheeky questions but everyone's pretty tame I suppose we give <laughs> off those vibes so that's good. Don't and get worth- up the anonymous box though. Get that's maybe what we should have done the anonymous Q&A um, but these ones we will keep anonymous so the first question we're going to dive right in how do you keep your body image healthy during prep?
1: And when I guess this person says prep, I think we should rephrase it just to any dieting phase as well. Like you don't have to be going through comp prep to want to prioritize your mental health or your body image as well. But it's it's obvious that with competing, it's such an extreme thing that everything's going to be heightened. So whether that's negative self-talk or self-esteem, self-worth, body image issues, et cetera, all of those things are like, Most definitely if you're going to experience them, it's going to be when you're going through a comp prep. Um, I put up a post the other day and I was talking about this in just like a tweet format and I was saying that uh, a lot of people underestimate genetics as well um, when it comes to competing, but just anything in general. And I know that like hard work is a must, hard work is a given, but there is such a big genetic element when it comes to competing. It's why the best of the best are the best, right? Because they have really good genetics that go with hard work, right? Definitely needed. Occasionally drugs too, but more often the genetics element is there too. Um, And I think a lot of people when they look at competing, they see these one percenters, these elite athletes, and they think they compare themselves to that and that's where I see a lot of people falling into a bit of a hole when it comes to body image because they feel unsatisfied they're comparing themselves to the best of the best when it comes to genetics or drugs or years of experience Uh, and that's what can put people in this spiral of just constant like negative self-talk and it's a really like it's a shame to see it to be honest it hasn't been my experience um, but I definitely see it a lot in the competing world.
0: Yeah, we've definitely been blessed with amazing experiences. But then again, we have set ourselves up in ways which we'll share that allow you to have a positive experience. Um, But as you mentioned, people are comparing themselves to things that shouldn't be comparative, i.e. drug use, as you said, but even, yeah, genetics, different limb lengths, different, you know, muscle size, different skin colour, different hair colour, like Mm -hmm. it all some people might have long legs long arms long arms long torsos even how your abs look you know mm. um they're all genetic factors that no matter how hard you train and diet you can't actually change so the unfair comparison is definitely number one. And then I think people are just jumping into a prep or a diet off negative emotions. They might not be feeling good about themselves. So they feel that if they change their body composition, that they'll feel better. But as you said, at the start, this heightens everything because you become more fixated at looking at yourself because the stakes are higher. Mm. You know, you're going to get on stage or, you know, you've got an event that you're dieting for. So the stakes are higher and that can make the experience a lot more stressful. Mm. So we would, advise, if you decide to take on a dieting phase, make sure your mindset is healthy. If you already have a little bit of a, you know, dysfunctional relationship with yourself, with food, with training, then I would not get into anything extreme. I would work on the mindset first, get into a a happy place from training. See training as movement for your body. See food as nutrition and fuel for your body and then I would go into something like that rather than thinking that a prep would solve your problems because it mm. definitely doesn't yep and we spoke about this in a recent
1: episode where we're saying that competing become so much more common and popular um, and I think it's, I don't know whether it's a good thing, right? Like I don't know whether it's a good thing because I personally think that competing is for a specific type of person. Um, body dysmorphia is normal. It's a part of prep, to be honest. Like it's a part of it. You're hyper fixated um, on your body all of the time and you're hustling to lose a couple of hundred grams. Like it, it really does ta- um, have a bit of a mental strain. Like it's really mentally taxing when you're always assessing yourself. Uh, like body checking yourself isn't a normal trait right? It's not something that is like, quote unquote, normal, right? Uh, but it is in practice required, like you're constantly body checking yourself. And sometimes you don't really realize until you're out of it, some of those behaviors and like disordered ways of eating as well, like, you know, cucumber and stevia, like a laugh of it, at, um, like now. Uh, and I don't have any negative thoughts towards doing that. I sort of just see it uh, for what it is. Um, But as you said at the start, Daddy, it's about making sure that you're starting and motivated from excitement rather than fear or wanting to change or just really entering that prep from the start. And not enough people really prioritize that. It's why I'm so particular honestly with who I take on with prep because I know the repercussions and a lot of people don't they compete once and they become a comp prep coach and there's no hate on that um but it's sort of like you know like if you're wanting to compete like trust us when we say that people get fucked up from doing this the wrong yeah. way forever Like this sort of stuff is like really serious when you're taking your body to these extreme levels and you have to be mentally fit to do it, not just physically, but mentally fit. And it's totally okay um, because a lot of people aren't mentally fit to go through something like this, to work towards something else. And I love encouraging people to, you know, work towards a, like a photo shoot or something that's not as extreme. So if anything pops up when it comes to body image along the way, you can identify that and be like, "Oh, I didn't know that was there. Yep. Uh, and you don't know until you start, uh, and then you can go, I better work on that. You know, what do I need to do? Do I need to look at my processes? Do I need to assess why I'm doing this or my purpose or my community connections, etc.? all these things, uh, they should be done before a prep. Um, and then that way, you know, right? Like if you're going to run into any issues, you sort of know how to best prepare yourself and where you can go for additional support if you do run into it
0: yeah additional support is you know we can't stress that enough and anytime we talk about this kind of topic we do bring up that it is okay to get help I mean mm-hmm. getting help it's it's actually quite hard you know I've had um experiences with people that are quite close to me who were who ready to get some help but then mm. upon calling you know people it's actually quite hard to get help but what I just because resources are limited because you know mental health is always a growing um, epidemic and people are are more aware that, you know, it's okay to get help. And unfortunately, that means that resources are limited and and things like that. But uh, you just have to keep going. You have to use your support network around you to, to find someone that can help you. And, you know, it might not be after the first phone call, but just don't give up in that process. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's as much as I want to say on that, uh, just to keep it a little bit more lighthearted, but in a serious way. But one thing I do want to sort of finish this topic off in saying is doing a comp prep is not the next stage to going to the gym. I was at an appointment the other day and I was talking to the to the uh, young girl and she was like, oh, yeah, I've been training for a little bit. I think I'm going to do a comp now. It's sort of the next thing, isn't it? And I was like, no, no, it's no, not. it's definitely not. So It's the last thing. <laughs> it's the last thing, if anything, you know. <laughs> just because you bounce a basketball once doesn't mean you need to try and be the most professional basketballer in the whole world, you know what I mean? So just recognise that it's not the next stage. It's not normal to... Going to a comp prep, it's, it's yeah. a sport in itself. Um, there is crossover because you need to go to the gym, but just because you go to the gym doesn't mean you need to do a comp prep. As yeah. you said, photo shoots, much better experience, to be honest.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Very much more fun. Yeah, and that's what I meant about the genetic piece too. Like, you know, if I started playing, like you said, basketball and I didn't think I had the genetic potential to be good, because um, you have to, right? Like genetics comes is massive in sports, uh, especially at a professional like or a high level thing. You can do things for fun for sure, but there's a big difference between, you know, really pushing yourself um to perform and then just doing something for once off bucket list, you know, ticket off, etc. Um, and that's like I said, like if I didn't have that positive reinforcement, we've spoken about this at the start. Like, if I didn't have the success that I did at the start, I probably would have stopped. I would have been like, "Yeah, you know, this is a this is a lot, right? This is a lot." <laughs> if I'm just going to be like average, I'm not doing that. I'd rather yeah. put my energy into else, um, other things, and that's my own shit as well. Like, I'm happy to admit that I don't want to waste time at stuff that I'm average at. Um, but that's honestly the way that we need to be thinking about extremes. Like, we have to weigh up the sort of the pros and the cons. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's a really good share, Danny, and thanks highlighting that as well, because I do recognize in this economy, like especially post-COVID, post COVID, post lockdown, mm. um, there can be wait times on these sort of things. Uh, so it's why your environment's so important, like just surround yourself with optimistic people, you know, journaling, um, like, you know, lots of online resources. There's other things out there if you can't get help uh, as, as
0: quickly as you'd like. Yep. Awesome. All right, let's move on. So um, crossing into a nutrition type question. Is there too long of a time to be in a deficit? Mm. When would you bump your calories back up? Mm. Now, Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I was going to say, how's the cut going? Oh, the cut. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> it's an indirect cut. I think I said that last time because Paul's dieting. So then mm. just naturally, as yeah, we did mention it last time because we're both doing night walks and you and Luke as well. You're just moving more, the weather's heating up. Um, I just want more like fruits and light food and all of that. I'm not sort of sitting on the couch eating whatever. So it's going well, but I still don't have batteries in my scale, which I'm not even going to get them. So I don't know what I weigh, which is amazing. Um, I'm just sort of waking up every day, still tracking, Mm. But not just, I don't know, I just feel a lot lighter and better mentally. And then that's carrying over into habits. So it's been amazing. It's almost like intuitive cutting because mm. I haven't manipulated my diet from a calorie sense. I've more just changed food sources, started moving more um naturally and then my body composition has just responded well so I think I have finally found that balance again of life and work yeah uh, which is really cool so I feel good I have no Mm. idea what I weigh I haven't measured anything which there's no right or wrong about it but that's just how I've done it Mm. because I don't want to put pressure on on the idea um so yeah going well I feel good I love that. That's so good because I think sometimes as well, uh,
1: like just setting new goals as well, and it just helps you tidy things up. And that's the sense I get too. Like you just tidy things up, you stick to your walks, you stick to your schedule, you choose fruits and vegetables, like, you know, you space your meals out, you st- you don't snack after dinner, like you just tidy up habits. Uh, and that's that's the ultimate goal, right? Like a lot of people attack the calories, but it's like you know, what about the habits? What about the lifestyle yep. that you're building? And it sort of bleeds into this question, like how long should you be into a deficit for? Like what are you trying to achieve um, is always going to be the first piece, but like what does the lifestyle look like that you're leading? Because what we spoke about earlier, like do you find yourself becoming hyper-fixated on food or your body or having like, you know, so- isolating yourself, like social events and restricting, et cetera? Uh, it really depends on what the signs are that you're showing of whether you should exit a diet or continue. Because there is no rules, like when it comes to how long, how long's too long, how quick, et cetera. There's no rules. It's going to be very much dependent, um, on you and what you actually want to achieve. So I think expectations and like what you said, Danny, uh, like lifestyle factors, super important to consider when you're asking, like, when you should exit a diet.
0: Yeah. And that's a a part that most people don't consider at all. Or if someone signs up for an eight week challenge, you know, you don't Mm -hmm. really take into account everything else going on in your life. Like, is this time of the year a good time for you? Yes or no? Like the environment and your events and your lifestyle, it plays so much of a role, as you were saying, that we need to highlight it more because people still want an answer. Oh, only Mm -hmm. being a deficit for 12 weeks or something like that and unfortunately it's not that simple but that's the beauty of life you Mm. can completely tailor it to where you're at there's Mm -hmm. no right or wrong if you're sick of dieting stop dieting if you're if you're feeling okay with going back up to maintenance or building then you know that's on you who who are we to sort of tell you when you want to start losing weight or putting on weight like it's literally up to all of you guys Yep,
1: absolutely. And something I like, uh, I guess, encouraging women to do that are within that healthy weight range, like even both of us, like we're not overweight. We don't need to lose weight. We just want to tighten things up a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like there's nothing wrong with that. So if that's you, that's so okay to do it. I just feel as though you need to have a bit of a different approach to it because, you know, eight-week challenges and all this sort of stuff, it's just not made for people that are like, healthy BMI, like just trying to lose a little bit and adopt lifestyles. It's it's very much all in or all out mentality. And I love to encourage people just get away from that because honestly, you just go round and circle, you gain the weight back, you adopt negative habits that aren't sustainable. And like, why? What's the point if you're going to end up there in 12 months time anyways? So something I like to do is like what you were saying, Danny, changing habits and behaviors always start there rather than looking directly at your calories. But then you know, set yourself something realistic. And for someone that's like, you know, in their 60 ish kilos, it might only be one to two kilos. Like if you're weighing yourself, it might be something really small, which for someone of that body size, it's really important to note that that is still a more of a body um, percentage, right? Than if someone was 70, 80 or 90 kilos, so mm. setting a realistic goal and then getting to it, but then focusing on that lifestyle piece to maintain it. Like once you're there, be like, cool, I'm not going to just keep going and going and going and going until I'm done and can't diet anymore and I'm over it and I just want to blow out because that's what people do. They go right till the end. And I challenge you to stop before your willpower drains uh, to make sure that you can go, okay, well, this step counts manageable for the the time being. I can still get to the gym this this many days. I'm still like craving vegetables and fruits and, you know, not those high calorie dense snack foods that you do towards the real end of a dieting phase. Um, And then try and maintain for a couple of months or longer, six months, and then Mm. go again. Right, And that's how you actually, over time, recomp yourself um, to get to a a body composition that you're happy with and you've got the lifestyle and you can sustain it rather than going all in, all out, all in, all out, and then getting back to the same spot and then having to do six months of dieting, which you don't want to get back to that, to get to a point that you're actually happy with. So that's something I like to reframe for people that are like, don't have a heap of weight to lose, being like, cool, can we just do it in mini chunks so it's sustainable rather than feeling like you've got to get to this body composition in 8 to 12 weeks and then you know have no willpower nothing at the end of it and then sort of blow out or let let go of all your habits or your processes that actually got you there
0: yeah because you're going to resent the process Mm. if you don't make it fun if you don't make it part of your lifestyle then you're going to want to let go of it straight away because you know you did your own head in about it so for example and and if you want to share yours after your routine or sort of swaps that you added in like My morning walk is to go and I I make myself a little challenge. Cool, halfway on this walk, you're going to get a nice coffee. Cool. And then I go and it's fun and I look at the birds and the trees and it's relaxing or, you know, the nighttime walk with Paul, it's our time together to debrief on a busy day or, you know, I do a little bit of cardio at the gym while I check my messages on my phone. I don't wake up, check everything, waste an hour and then can't be bothered doing cardio. So there's just little routine swaps Um, Mm. Or even walking with a friend. Like I know these things won't happen in winter because the weather's, you know, more crappy. So that's, I'm just literally riding the summer vibes. Um, Or even, yeah, training with a friend and changing up the training. I think the... It's interesting because the less rigidity and pressure on the goal makes it easier to achieve. Yeah. If I was prepping for a comp, there's no way in hell I'll, I'd i have as much flexibility because you can't track flexibility, so to speak. Mm-hmm. to That level needed for a comp prep. But those days are done, as we've said over and over again. So flexibility, lifestyle, fun, health and happiness can lead to an ideal body composition as well. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I think whenever any of us started in fitness, the
1: less knowledge that we have on something, the more rigid we feel like we have to be because we don't know that there's flexibility. It's like flexible dieting. When we first started, you know, tracking or just first started nutrition, we all stuck to meal plans and six almonds and half an apple and <laughs> Maxine's burn bar, right? That's all we knew what to do, <laughs> literally. <laughs> oh, God. But that's all we knew, right? It was like, it, it was yes and no, it's black or white right but as you learn more um the the more flexibility you have because you realize "Ah, it's not a burn bar it's 20 grams of protein right i can get that in so many different ways
0: um i do love those bars though they're still delicious they are good (laughs)
1: good. Uh, but the same with training right the same with a calorie deficit or like you understand that there's multiple ways to skin a cat right like there's so many ways to do things uh and that's like you said, when you don't have to be so rigid with the way you get there, because um, you're not trying to optimize everything and make sure recovery is there and retain every frigging gram of muscle mass and you know take things to the extreme which is what Mm. we spoke about earlier it's okay to have you know add a couple of weeks or be a bit more flexible or slow down things or speed things up like you can have that flexibility with it Uh, and that's what you're saying like I you know love adding in a little bit more cardio and a bit more movement um, when you're not trying to just like I said retain every gram of muscle mass you can Mm. be a bit more you know flexible with those things so I'm the same as you like I find that when I go into dieting phases, like food quality naturally um, improves. Like I'll just, you know, rather than eating rice all the time or whatever it might be, I'll go to potato or more vegetables. And like I said, it's not good nor bad, but I just feel better when I'm, you know, eating more whole foods rather than just grains all the time. Um, And when your carbs are higher, that's sort of what you end up having to fill it up with over time to be able to hit those targets. So yeah, I find it, like we've done it so many times dieting. I just, I actually just, I find it enjoyable. It's sort of weird. Like a lot of people Mm. don't like dieting, but I'm like I sort of like the little bit of motivation, and a little bit of drive um, that I get when I'm working towards something.
0: Yeah, so keep goals for sure. And if you still Mm. are new to this journey and, you know, you've never really... Um, had any experience in it, then get a coach and get help. But then we're we're here to say that it doesn't have to be rigid all the time. Because again, as we said earlier, just like any skill, the more you practice, the better you become Mm -hmm. at it. And you know it back to front, you know how your body responds and things like that. So give it time, get help at the start, but then realize that Yeah, there will be that flexibility, but at the end of the day, it just depends on you and your goals. We can't Mm. tell you what to do, like in terms of timeframes for a lifestyle, you know, it's up to Mm. you guys. So yeah, take, take some ownership. I think it's empowering. Yeah. One thing I will say, um,
1: however, like when it comes to just answering the question of like, when would you bump calories back up? There Mm. are like physiological things that you can look out for um, as well as psychological things. And we spoke a little bit about some of the psychological things, but physiological ones, like for me, like um, sleep is one yeah. that I won't even notice it. I'll just be like, oh, I'm not sleeping well. And then it will be like week, and I'll click. I'll be like, oh, I need a refeed real bad. Yeah. Like my cortisol out of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and something I used to always experience in prep is like waking up at 4am. Remember I used to talk to you about oh, it and be yeah. like, waking up at 4am. I am it's yeah. wired, wired. Um, and it wasn't until like speaking to a few people and reading um like a bit more articles and just doing a bit more research that it like it all clicked like cortisol releases at that time to wake you up. But then the more wide you are, the earlier it sort of gets. Mm. Um, and then when I was waking up at like five and then four and then three, and I was like, okay, and then I'd have a refeed and then like for at least a couple of days, and then that would drop back down. I'd start sleeping better until the next time. So yeah. there's lots of little things that you can look out for. The big one's going to be compliance when it comes to mental stuff. Like, do you find yourself not being super compliant to your diet? And that's really important to recognize in yourself. Like I've definitely done it where I'm like, look, I'm not being compliant. I probably just need to bump calories up, um, eat the foods that I want, um, not feel restricted. So then I can just get back to the, to the process. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, there's going to be things like strength, performance in the gym like just feeling tired all the time and
0: not energized mental cognition how much does that slow down like someone asks you a question you're like huh (laughs) yeah your tolerance is (laughs) so much less in a deficit right because our brain needs glucose to function and we do use it when we're thinking so absolutely yeah absolutely and that was honestly one of my main reasons why i
1: ended up pulling or throwing the towel in with prep this year because I needed Mm -hmm. my brain for business. Um, And a lot of people don't think like that. They're like, just do it. And it's like the decisions (laughs) I make, the decisions I make are never going to be as effective when you're dieting um, Mm -hmm. unless you've, you know, got a lot of weight to lose or whatever it might be. Um, But your decisions are never going to be like as sharp, right. As when you're sitting at maintenance. And I felt that I was like, as soon as I bumped calories up and like what you said, took the stress off, You can put your energy, because we only have a certain amount of energy to use, whether it's physical or mental Mm -hmm. uh, throughout a day, where you put that energy where it is. So it's going to depend on all of those factors, your lifestyle, your goals, like what your priorities are. Um, And like what Danny said, like, if you're unsure, just get a coach, like stop trying to figure it out yourself. Uh, Just get a uh, non-subjective opinion of someone else to come in and look at your data and see how you're going and ask you some of these questions.
0: Yeah. Perfect. All right. Let's move on. Cool. Uh, suggestions for having one quad bigger than the other. Cool. A bit of training stuff now. So our first answer when we were discussing this is perform unilateral work. So work one side at a time. And a lot of people don't do unilateral work. So for example, with quads, you know, lunges, split squats, even leg extensions, one at a time. Like a lot of people don't do unilateral work because it's a bit more challenging and it hurts and you need a bit more willpower. It takes longer. It takes longer because you do one side, then you have to do the other side. But that is the number one tip. Train one quad at a time, pretty mm. much. And that's probably the easiest answer, but we'll go into a little bit more detail. But we can't stress enough the benefits of unilateral work.
1: Mm. Do people yeah. really not do unilateral work?
0: Yeah, of course. Really? Yeah, oh. Oh, it depends who we're talking to, but you know, people go in the gym; they just use machines and happy days in and out, and that's fine. But for this person who's you know wanting to um, address their quad size, unilateral works. The answer, one of yeah. the main answers, anyway.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know what I love those um, the machines. Like I think Hammer Strength has quite a few um, at the gym that I train at, where it's like a it's like a bilateral machine, but oh, yeah. th- they're loaded separately. Uh, I remember the first time I got it, I was like, "Whoa, oh my God. <laughs> the Mexican way!" Because um, <laughs> you get so used to doing those movements, like yeah. Like um, in a like a you know, um, in a bilateral plane, but when it's yeah. loaded separately, so look out for those machines. Uh, cool. But yeah, like definitely, I will. Um, Definitely make sure, especially with those machine stuff, like that I'll do the unilateral variations. Like I just put one leg up when I'm doing a leg extension and do it and you can really feel the difference um, to to balance those pieces out. Um, and I always have at least one unilateral exercise Um in every leg day at least one to be honest sometimes i'll have two whether yep. it's like a, a lunge or a kickback and i'll usually almost always have a lunge in every leg day as well that's just the way i've always programmed yeah um but yeah you, you really can't have too much unilateral stuff it's just the only disadvantage is time um but mm. if you can get those pieces of equipment um, as well that are loaded separately like that's sort of like two birds with one stone as well
0: yeah yeah or as you said just do your lunges or even with upper body as well unilateral mm. work can not only cure injury but prevent it as well so mm. you know we're made of imbalances and you know having imbalances is not a- always a bad thing like when I was playing tennis it's a very one-sided sport right forehand swinging to one side when you serve and land it, it was always on one leg like those imbalances served mm-hmm. my sport or anyone who plays sport, you know, you, or or a job role, if you're using one side, you're going to have imbalances and mm-hmm. that is okay. We're not meant to walk around like textbooks, like the anatomy poster, being completely symmetrical. If you're a bodybuilder, different story because the aim is to look symmetrical for the sport, right? Mm-hmm. So it, you really need to think about what are my goals um, do I need strength in one plane for my occupation or my sport? Great. Then you can still spend time balancing out the other side, but I wouldn't get super fixated on it if there's no dysfunction. So there's a fine line because people get hyper fixated. Oh, my shoulder's, you know, half a centimetre higher. It's like, do, are you in pain? No. Yeah. Well, Don't worry about it. But, yeah, there's a fine line because then if there are big imbalances then that can lead to pain or dysfunction as well. Um, But I just want to remove the stigma around feeling like everything has to be 100% even because that's not realistic. We're living humans. We're left-handed, right-handed, one-side dominant, totally normal to have imbalances and it doesn't always equal pain or, you know, poor movement.
1: Yeah, really well said, especially with quads as well. Like it's a big muscle group, so you're probably going to have a discrepancy um, there anyways. But uh, I was going to say like especially – like unless your goal is competing, right? Like then, you know, for sure, like add in a few more sets on that lagging side, if you feel like it's an issue, Um, but you can just, you know, include more unilateral stuff, make sure it's true, like single leg variations rather than like assisting with others or even machines, like just prioritizing some of those pieces. Um, I was going to say, have you ever flipped your camera roll? Uh, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. So (laughs) so with your camera, right, like if you're taking a selfie, it actually flips your face so that you see what you see in the mirror. I always use that one.
0: Have you ever flipped it back? I prefer the selfies on. I always take selfies on Instagram because it's the flipped version and I like that look better than the normal it camera. Freaks me out though. Yeah, freaks yeah. Me out because yeah. Then
1: you can change it in your normal camera though. I do. Like I've changed it so that you see. Yeah, go into your settings and do it in your camera you setting. Yeah, so many hacks. Thank you. <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow. Um,
1: but like you you don't realize how um like we aren't symmetrical even our eyes like our nose mm. our mouth like and i think people get obsessed with it right it's like why people you know get all the work done to their face they just want this true symmetrical yeah. but when we sort of recognize that no one is and even if you're bodybuilder like pose around it as well like you can you i just do it all the time right like you can work around these sorts of things uh and as you mentioned danny unless it's causing you pain it probably is fine like it's probably just the way like lifestyle work like the side that you sleep on there's so many reasons why you can have discrepancies between muscle mass
0: it's just about the large discrepancies or repetitive motions in one plane but again going back to answering the question, just. Train every structure unilaterally, so not just quads, but your hamstrings, your glutes, because maybe one quad is stronger because the glute is weaker or vi- or the hamstring or vice versa. So all planes of motion, all unilateral work, top to bottom. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, recognise if it's a small discrepancy, it might not be a problem. If it's large, it might be a problem. But, again, it's really case by case. Um, and just on the face stuff, it's really interesting. And I don't know if anyone or if you know about like the Chinese philosophy of face reading. Oh, my God, I'm obsessed. I learned about it maybe two or three years ago. And you know how we all have one eyebrow higher than the other or one one eye might look different or even a side of our face face that's got to do with masculine and feminine energies Mm -hmm. in our bodies so um, people who have stuff going on 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 the feminine side of their life or their personal life might appear different to the other half of their face because in that side of the brain that represents you know their work and their dominant side so people a lot of people have harsher sharper features on the left side of their face because that's their work persona, like I know I do because I'm on, like we have to be on. Me too. I get this 100%. one frown line. get
1: like this one frown line on yes. one side.
0: <laughs> and, then, and then the right side of your face because when we look at someone, we look into their right eye because mm-hmm. it's like reading a book. We go left to right. So what we want people to think we are is on that right side of the face there and that's often quite softer and, yeah, it, it but it, it really depends on what's going on in your life. But there is a thing called face reading and you can learn everything about someone's life just by the differences of their features or people with wide eyes are visionaries, you know, because we're always spending time looking out. Or if someone, like an accountant, if you've got attention to detail, you're going to be a bit more squinty. It's so cool and interesting how the face moulds to your lifestyle as well. Um, I just had to share on that. So look up face reading. It's freaking so cool to learn about. So but, interesting. yes, and then I, I would go and get Botox and that would change everything. But, like, before <laughs> work on your face, like, you can really mm. tell someone's personality, even what their ears do. If people's ears come forward, they love talking. If their ears go back, they love listening. So yep. you can really get to know people before you even get to know them. It's so cool. I have seen that. I remember seeing the thing about the eyes, that if you've
1: got whites above your eyes, like, you know how some people, their, oh, yeah. their eyes are like sort of more down and you can see the white above it. Um, And it was showing like all the celebrities with the whites. And oh, yeah. you know, I was like, wow, so interesting. So, so cool. interesting.
0: very,
1: cool. um, Awesome. Last question then. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, more on the business topics. I've done body and <laughs> nutrition training in our business. Do you think you need a high online following to gain clients for online coaching? How else will I sell? really don't like the last bit of that question. Like how else will I sell? <laughs>
0: by addressing bit... that first, yeah. Yeah,
1: by addressing that selling base. <laughs> um, like the short answer is no, um, obviously. Like the short answer mm. is no. I know lots of successful like business owners, coaches, coaches, um, you know, people in the industry that don't have a high online following as well, but they have a good reputation. And I think that's the difference. Um, But you don't need like an online presence to have a strong reputation. Like some of my first coaches um, that I ever sought out weren't even online. You know, like I used to have an amazing um, strength coach, right at the start and um yeah no online presence used to frustrate me because i'm like get online you have so much knowledge why don't you share with people um but you definitely don't i would say you need a good reputation which means you need to be a really good coach if you're really good at your craft and what you do only a matter of time before people figure that out and find you. Um, yeah. And people will find you regardless if you're online or not, right? Like they'll mm. look you up in the yellow pages if they have to. So I think most <laughs> people need to really like become exceptionally good. Become yeah. exceptionally good at what you do. Like stop worrying about your following. It's It's a side effect of being good, to be honest. So become exceptionally good at what you do and everything else will fall into place if you just do the steps. I think so many people get fixated on like, business advice and like how to grow and how to scale. They get so fixated on it. It's like, no, 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 be really good. And you actually won't have to worry about that stuff as much as what you think.
0: Yeah. It's, that's awesome to hear. And it's really interesting because there are ways in which you can grow your following that contradict your values as a coach. Yeah. So Do you want to get good at marketing and clickbait and selling and misleading? Not saying that that's Mm -hmm. the only way to get followers, but you do see it a lot. Or do you want to spend time mastering your craft and actually being on the tools? Because that's the part that a lot of people miss. Mm -hmm. They think, hey, I need to get 300,000 followers to be a good coach. Well, no, because then you're diverting all of your time and effort into growing your following. Mm -hmm. Have you actually spent time with clients? Well, no, I haven't actually. So there's that. And then it also depends, well, who are the kind of people that are following you? Are they going to sign up for your service? Yes or no? Is your service scalable? Because Mm -hmm. there's no point trying to grow your following if you can only take on like 10 people, you know what I mean? So it's really more about you, what you offer, how good you are. As you said, people will talk, your reputation is everything. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, um, look, we all, we all want to have a a a nice following. But then again, what does that look like? How much time in the day do you need to put towards maintaining and growing it? Um, it's a whole nother job in itself. You know what I mean? Particularly with all the platforms, they're always changing as well. So still find that time to put yourself out there and, and work on your following, but then don't let that time take away from your actual craft and the time that you spend with clients.
1: Yeah. Really well said. Um, I was talking to like someone, you know, uh, quite a, a while ago now, and they were saying, yeah, I want to like, I'm an, I'm an online coach and I want to have coaches work for me and I'm going to do this and do that. And and how do I do it? And I was sort of like, oh, like, so you have a wait list? Like you got, and she's like, no, no, no. I got like five clients. And I'm like, well, oh, shit. No, like you, you scale from demand, not out of want, um, as well. So making sure that you're creating demand, and the way that you do that is through being a really good coach. Like I said, word of mouth. People underestimate how valuable that is in business. Right. So if you're spending all your time online trying to build your following and getting new clients, what about the clients that could give you referrals? Like if every one of your clients referred to a friend and said, "Hey, Danny's a really good coach. You'd really like it." You double your business like you double your business and yeah. i think people don't recognize that and the other thing that i i see a lot of now um is I feel like a lot of people jump into the online space too soon, too yeah, too right. prem. And, you know, it's a tough economy at the moment. Like, and I I have a different opinion now than maybe what I did a couple of years ago as well, where I'm like, you learn so much so quick by working in the real world, working with people, communication skills, like the reality of what it is to sort of have to grind and work from the bottom up to be able to build a presence online, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, because as soon as you go into that online space, you compete with everyone else and that's not a like a bad thing i'm not saying that but i'm just saying a lot of people, even above like where we're at, well and truly, have the time, the money, the teams, the resources. So it's just something to be mindful of. I think people see online as like the be all and all. And it's it's not like I see a lot of potential for new coaches and young coaches having hybrid between the both and being able yeah. to give more value online and and you know, even enjoyment lifestyle-wise. I know a lot of online coaches that are miserable because they don't have any sense of community or connection um around them and they're just stuck behind. A, a screen and that ain't freedom like that's no. not freedom so i think you know really assessing where you're at what you want the lifestyle you want and being patient as well like i said if you invest in that all of those things first it's it's a matter of time if you're good at what you do
0: yeah i, I think it's natural for people to think that online coaching is the way to go because your eyes turn to people that have been doing it for years and maybe people look at us and say well wow, like they have so much fun and we still Don't showcase everything that we do behind the scenes. It's just, A, we're working, so we're not spending 24-7 on Instagram. Like, there's still work to be done. But, B, a lot of it is freaking boring and no one Mm -hmm. wants to see us addressing our taxes. No one wants to see us or, you know, you guys and Luke doing your spreadsheets and things like that. There's still so much that goes on in online. I think it's even more work because face-to-face, you say goodbye to your client and, you know, they might have a, a program that you write for them and that's fine, but you clock on, clock off with each client. Online mm-hmm. it's never-ending and then there's the comparison then there's the followers and then people showcasing their highlight reels and, you mm-hmm. know, you don't have time to go to the beach with your laptop because that's what you thought this whole thing was. Like it's very misleading, it's very flooded not only in our industry but in all industries like there are less trades less people are going to TAFE now or Mm. studying at university because and I don't blame them because they've grown up in the TikTok era and they see their favorite person who's 10 years old making millions by playing a video game and they want to do that or Mm. making millions by showing their skincare routine so they want to do that so it's just very misleading, but very alarming. I don't mm-hmm. want to go 10 years down the track and we run out of workers. We still need people face-to-face. I don't yeah. know what's happening. Yeah. Um, so not not enough time being spent on the tools. And what I've also noticed, back to our industry, people go straight into academia. For example, they they graduate. Um, they don't see any clients face-to-face. Instead, they go to research or research papers and where's how they turn out you know what I mean and it's like they want to be authorities in that but they haven't actually had time Mm. with real humans either they're Mm. very black and white researched based evidence based but it's like that doesn't really work because as you and I know in the real world there's too many variables to actually put a study to most things and most scenarios so that's another thing people aren't doing the time and they're going straight into being a high-level researcher or, Mm. you know, going straight to online clients and jumping that beautiful phase. So I'm glad this question came up because it is going to be a problem for a lot of people in the future as everything gets online. Mm -hmm. But we will always need that connection piece. We'll always need community and fundamental human, you know, interactions is what we need to survive, getting outdoors, doing all those things. So it's great to have goals to be online. But don't think it's the be all and end all of life. You haven't made it in life if you're an online coach because it's very hard.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think people think that it's like the safest option. It's not, right? It's definitely not the safest option in terms of business. It's a risky option because, like I said, you just go into a big pool with everyone else Mm. Um, and especially like you know, the economy is so fragile at the moment. I don't know if you keep up, Danny, with, you know, what's going yeah, on, yeah. home loan rises and just, you know, everything. Um, I even saw yesterday um, an announcement, you might have seen it, on the Jackie Felgate's thing about like Deliveroo um, leaving yes. Australia. Like yeah. And they sort of bring out the claim that, you know, to stay competitive with what everyone else is doing, like a lot of the cheaper ones that are just sort of like minimal yeah, And and, and they they monopolise, you know, yeah. the industry, right? Like they've they've made that the best decision for their business is to leave Australia, right? Yep. Like That must have been pretty Massive. extreme. So, you know, there's lots of shifts in the economy um, as well. And it's one thing that when I was in nursing, um, you know, an uncle used to always say to me, oh, well, people are either going to die or be, you know, giving birth. You're never going to go out of work. And we never really understood that job security, right? Like I never mm. did. And neither did Luke when teaching was like, well, the world needs us yeah. um, in times of high crisis, right? And in times where people are getting tight with their spending, they're going to, what do I need? And they're pulling back from you know getting their makeup done and lash extensions and the massage and whatever and health and fitness of course is an essential uh thing obviously in covid the government didn't think that though because gyms got were shut so it's just about making sure that like and i'm not saying this to scare anyone but i just think if you're That's a business reality. Owner, yeah if mm. you're a business owner you really do need to be thinking about not just the next follower or not just like the next thing you need to be thinking like 5 10 years from now um yeah. security like and i'm not a big fan of like option b but like what Contingency plan, you know, like what happens if this doesn't work out? Do you have something else? Because I believe that when we're living in a scarcity mindset, um, we don't make the best decisions, we make irrational choices, and we have impulse, um, decision making. You see it in business all the time. People just launch Mm. new shit and they just, you know, do the cheaper, quick money grab because they aren't playing the long game. Um, and I know we've sort of gone off on a little bit of a tangy, but I I love it, man. I think the yeah I think the overarching answer is like no you don't need an online following if anything like it's it's not even relevant they're not even contrasted mm-hmm. um like yes the presence is going to be there but it's it's more of an outcome like it's an yeah. outcome of creating demand because you're good at what you do Or the other thing, like what you were saying, Danny, people appreciate um, communication skills or who you are as a person. So never discredit that. It's not just about what you know um, or how smart or how intelligent you are. And there's so many examples in business of people that are not as intelligent as any of us that crush it um, just because of the person that they are and the demand that they've created. So really important to be able to understand the reasons behind rather than just, you know, correlating that with the outcome.
0: Yeah, it would almost be a deterrent for me to reach out to someone with, you know, three million followers because I'm just like a little tadpole in the ocean in a sense. I might not be, but it gives off that um, view of I'm just one small number out of so Mm. many. So it's almost a deterrent to have too many followers. Like, yeah, but maybe that's my own shit as well. But people do want that communication. (laughs) Um, But leading into Christmas and what you were talking about, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a plan B or, you know, a Christmas casual. your job because times are getting tough out there. Um, You know, I've had many chats with clients who unfortunately can't continue because of those reasons. And it's not, you know, anything to get upset about. You can, in terms of as a coach, it's not a reflection on me. (laughs) Like that is the reality of what's happening out there. Um, So it's yeah, don't think that you're a failure. Like this is on a grand scale you probably might get quiet over Mm -hmm. Christmas because we do anyway, as coaches in our industry, people are away and all of that. But now there's a lot more pressure on people to still be able to afford Christmas presents or a nice Christmas lunch. It's, Mm. it's getting quite tough. Um, So I think it might be a case to have a plan B, you know, Mm -hmm. We, we always hear the saying, oh, don't have plan B, because you won't pursue plan A. But you know, take your situation um, individually and say, no, shit, now's the time I might need something to fall back on. And that's okay. Totally yeah. fine.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think back in the day, or even like traditional business world, they say like, it's not that you can't afford it, it's that you don't value it. And I just think, there is a time though where you know, like people are having to, struggling to pay their home loans. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And wages aren't going up. Cost of living is fuels like two dollars a liter. Like there is times where it's like people might really value something, but they're going to put food on the table. Um, yeah. and that's why it's important as business owners, right? Especially like coaches. Usually, coaching is high ticket. Um, which means like it's expensive in in like contrast to a lot of other things. So I think it's important for people in the business space, especially online, to try and like, diversify, maybe yeah. be able to offer something that's like not high ticket um, all the time so you can, you know, still help people, um, not have to have like a whole other industry plan B, but just navigating within your own business. And that's why, like so now for the next year you know at least Mm-mm. really set yourself up like dig your heels in um create flexibility within your business um like diversify what you're doing like so that when things do get tougher cuz you know we'll go through a recession in our time I'm yeah, sure yeah, for um sure. The fittest of the fit will survive. Be the ones that have really dug their heels in and put the roots down rather than just trying to go, oh, well, followers and quick money and ebooks, right? Like it's just important to be able to dig your heels in and dig some roots in um, and think long term rather than just like right here, right now, this year.
0: Yeah. And we're all about telling people, you know, chase your dreams and build businesses and that, and that's fine. But again, mm. time and a place. And I know Gary Vee did make a post saying, no, now's the perfect time to start a business. But look, I don't know. He's always an exception there. I think it's good to to have some sort of consistent income because you were talking about home loans. Now, if you work for yourself, it's so much harder to get a home loan or any loan um, or a credit card too because they Mm. want to see consistent income year to year to year. So, for example, if you're a teacher, it will be way easier for you to get a home loan than somebody who works for themselves and they might earn, you know, four times the amount just because of the nature of the consistency of your income as well. So think about stuff like that too. Yeah. Absolutely. When we've grown up, we've never <laughs> spoken about this three years ago when we were giggling oh, on the couch
1: is what you said. I know, I know. But even when you say that, like when I left um my job, there was the one thing I was like, I don't have a home loan, I don't have any debt, like I, I'm young, I've got time, and that's one a really big thing as well. Like time's so important. Mm. Um, I'm gonna capitalize on this phase of my life where it doesn't really matter, you know, like I've got yeah. that flexibility, I don't have kids, you know, like is it, it's not it's all fine, you know what I mean? Um Whereas now, like, you know, now I do have a home loan, I have I have debt, I have staff, I have responsibilities, I have a partner, like I have other things, right? And it's not just about me. Um, and if I have to eat too many noodles, like that's not okay anymore. I've got other people's food to put on the table, right? So it's important to, you know, like really assess your situation because like I said, if you ever feel like you're in that fight or flight mode where it's like got to make this dollar every client counts, when you're in that, it's really hard to be visionary. It's really Mm -hmm. hard to be innovative and think ahead. And that's your job as the owner and the founder. Um, So that's why I just think like having a bit of a zoomed out perspective and you don't have to do this on your own. You can have dialogue with someone else that, um, you know, has a bit more insight into what you're doing and who you are, um, I think that's always helpful because, yeah, like, of course we want people to chase their dreams and go after what they want, et cetera. And if you have that relentless, like, this is what I'm supposed to do, I generally believe most people will make it as well. Like, if you've got that one piece. Mm. um, But if you've got doubt, like I said, it's really hard. It's really hard if you've got doubt there as well and if you think that a following's like, going to hinder you, it ain't right it ain't mm. that mindset will um so it's really important to be able to navigate through it
0: yeah good answer thanks for whoever asked that and we kind of answered everything else as well with that yeah. so that was a good uh, segue question into sort of current life events yeah absolutely yeah, very good very
1: good. Well, we hope this answered um, you know, a lot of questions <laughs>
0: in reality, and not just the
1: four um, that we've that we've rattled off today. But thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, we hope you did enjoy the episode. And we also hope that you're enjoying the the rewind episodes and a little bit of um, you know, throwbacks to some of our more popular um episodes from the past as well. So thanks for sharing. Thanks for letting us know, and thanks for all your feedback. Uh, and thanks for the questions
0: as well. So, as always, make sure that you take a screenshot and of course uh tag us on Instagram. Thanks everyone.